Good morning, everyone. Um, Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Um, Scanning the QR code, which is on the front of your worship guide, allows you to connect to all of our online information about our church, giving tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one place. Guests, thank you so much for being here today. We're so glad you're here. Um, if you could please click on the menu item for first-time guests, if you, once you click the QR code, that would be great. Thank you. Um, at the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you can mail a check to our address, or after the service, you can drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Today, after worship at 11, we're going to have our first steps and village kids stay and play on the playground. I think there's going to be some good snacks and just extra time to play. Um, This week on Wednesday, May 10th at 7 o'clock, we'll have corporate prayer here in the sanctuary. And on Thursday, May 11th at 7 in the morning, we have the Shipman Men's Group at Just Love Coffee. And at 5 o'clock, the Goodson Men's Group at the Church House, which is right over here. Um, Pastor Alex has changed our communion celebration to be on, it's going to be May 21st, because we're celebrating communion, and that day is also promotion Sunday for our kids and youth. 
Um, also, wasn't the picnic yesterday amazing? Yay! Who had a good time? Yes, it was great. Thank you so much to the tea group. Um, I know you guys are scattered out here. Thank you so much for all that you put into that. I know it was a lot of work, and it was really a great, great time, and God provided beautiful weather, so just so thankful for that special time for our church family and for our neighbors in the community, too. Um, so these are all of our announcements. Let's worship the Lord together. morning. Join with me as we um, just think about and sing of the goodness of God. been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God all my life all my life you have been faithful all my you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will see of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire and darkness. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I know you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been Of the goodness 
to worship. It is from, from Psalms 34, 1 through 4. Please uh, join with me where it says, people. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Amen. We will sing, 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 
Fall down. We fall down. We fall down. 
everybody. Good morning. Thank you. Ah, you look good too, DeMarco. And as a whole, you all look beautiful this morning. Uh, Patience, we are so grateful for you um, and all that you uh, do for this church. For those that don't know, I've had the privilege of working with the staff here uh, years ago. So Patience was part of that staff. Of course, Pastor Alex and uh, Cynthia and the dedication, the, the consistency. That's what I was really looking for and the, um, the dependability. So thank you so much, Patience. Um, and the picnic was amazing yesterday. Uh, I, had, I had to come late. I was working, but uh, I got there as soon as I could. Thank you all for uh, making that happen as well. We're going to uh, we're going to have our congregational prayer. Lou, are you coming up here later on today? All right. Well, I'll tell a joke for everybody. Um, there was a time where the pastor called for whoever needed prayer to come up to the church, and um, this older guy came up and he said, "Pastor, I'd like for you to pray for my hearing." So the pastor just right down the spot put one finger in the guy's ear put his hand on the other on, uh, on the guy's head and start praying for the guy. And when he was finished, he said, sir, how's your hearing? The guy said, I don't know. It's at court next Wednesday. <laughs> so I say that joke, not just to give you a laugh, um, but to emphasize the importance of being on the same page when it comes to prayer. And that's what this time is now. Our congregational prayer is a time for us to all come together with the same prayer in unison, understanding exactly what it is we're praying for. Uh, so if you all would, uh, we'll honor the commas and the semicolons with a brief pause, and uh, we'll do our best to pronounce the rest of the words. <clears throat> Adapted from Valley of Vision, um, pray with me, please. O oh Lord God, you are a preserver Across the wood, there's the power of the cross. 
to death, life is mine to live, one through yourself, let Wednesday on the 10th, we have our corporate prayer, and our topic this week, or for the month, is substance abuse, so please come to the church and join us at 7 o'clock or on Zoom. After prayer, we do have a short discussion with those that will meet with us in person. They are interesting, so if you want the full effect, come to church on Wednesday at 7. 
And with that, um, let's go into a prayer of supplication. Lord, I pray that this week that we may experience endurance as it seems, at least for me, these past couple weeks, I have lacked endurance and I have forgotten how good you are and just thank you for the simple means of grace that you give us by just showing up to church and being reminded through your people that you are good and pray, Lord, that you will help us to remember that as we go through this following week. Help us to pause and seek those seek you in moments where it seems like we're just spiraling into our own thoughts and our own experiences that just feel so real and feel so true, but you are truth and you are real and you can pull us out of those moments. And I pray that you will give us patience with ourselves and patience with other people and the grace for ourselves and grace for other people as we have to live life every day and it gets really exhausting. So please be with us this week. Amen. morning. Yeah, that was pretty good, but I think y'all can do better. Good morning. morning. All right. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Y'all know me. At least some of y'all know me. Uh, I'm Amos. I uh, am technically still one of the the staff pastors here, Uh, but this church has sent me out to plant a church over in Madison. So I was on staff here for about eight years. Two of those years were uh, as a staff pastor. And it's really good uh, to be back home, as they say. If you've got your Bibles, please go ahead and open up to uh, the letter of James. Letter of James. And in your Bible, that is the New Testament. It is right after Hebrews and right before 1 Peter. Some of y'all got a table of contents, so maybe you can use that to find it. So six years ago, here at the Village Church, uh, I started preaching through uh, the letter of James my first time preaching through an entire book of the Bible, and it was a great experience for me. And I have you all to thank for that, uh, because you all allowed me to experiment on you all as I grew as a preacher and teacher of God's Word. Now, with that said, although this church I'm looking out right now, it's pretty remarkable. This church looks a lot different now than than it did then. Uh, Some of you will have heard this sermon before, so please just say amen the same way you would if you hadn't heard it before. It might feel strangely familiar. Uh, The letter of James, chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 8. This is God's word. Uh, Please listen carefully. If any of you lacks wisdom, 
let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person was not supposed that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, you are good. You are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You give steadfast love for thousands. You forgive iniquity and transgression and sin, but you are a God who will by no means clear the guilty. God, since that is your character, put our hope and our faith and our trust in you. So in this moment, we ask that you speak. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I do pray and give thanks. Amen. My seminary professor, uh, Dr. Frank Philman, writes in his New Testament theology that the book of James has puzzled students of the New Testament for centuries. And so I join uh, Martin Luther, uh, John Calvin, Dr. Frank Philman, and other, and other preachers and uh, scholars of the New Testament in admitting that the book of James is enigmatic. It's enigmatic. Uh, the book of James begins in letter form. It begins with a formal greeting, but from verse 2 all the way through the end, it is proverbial in nature. And oftentimes, James just randomly shifts his flow of thought. And contributing to the exegetical difficulty of the book of James is also the abundance of the writings from the Apostle Paul that at first glance, seem to be at odds with James' short letter here. Paul's writings make up almost a third of the New Testament. So it could be easy to view the entire New Testament through a Pauline lens. I want to assure you that any scholarship, uh, any biblical scholarship that places James and Paul, in opposition with one another, has been defunct. It is defunct. It has been debunked. James and the Apostle Paul are not at odds with one another. James and Paul do not disagree. We know from Scripture that James and Paul are consistent with one another because of the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. Now, although it is true, as I mentioned, that James and Paul do not disagree, James is James and Paul is Paul. James's perspective is nuanced from the Apostle Paul's. James is unashamedly Jewish in his presentation and in his perspective, while Paul is all things to all men. James uses the themes of law faith, and work much differently than the Apostle Paul. So to help us 
in our understanding going forward, because as I mentioned, it's easy to sometimes view the entire New Testament canon through a Pauline lens. But to help us going forward, I want us to take off our Pauline lenses and understand James for James. Still within the context of uh, biblical and canonical and redemptive history, but James is a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience with a unique perspective that creates a bit of a paradox, if I'm honest, when compared to the Apostle Paul. Now, we know that a paradox is a fact that is seemingly contradictory. An example, Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. But James says in James chapter 2, verse 24, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. My brothers and sisters, how can both be true? That is what I want us to explore today, what I want us to examine today. I want us to consider how, as Christians, we can and should, and I would go as far as saying we must embrace the seemingly paradoxical realities of our faith. Today, I want to encourage you to doubt your doubts. I want you to doubt your doubts about God. I want you to unbelieve your unbeliefs about God because our faith, in essence, is when we, by the spirit of wisdom, unbelieve the unbelief that we have about God. Today, we should agree with the man from Mark nine twenty four, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, James wrote this letter to persecuted Jewish Christians in the diaspora. And James is giving them practical wisdom uh, for them to put their faith in action in light of the trials they faced. I want us to see the practicality of James's words in three ways. First, in a command. Second, in an instruction. And third, in a warning. First, the command, an instruction, secondly, and thirdly, a warning. First, let's examine uh, James's command. I'm in verse number five. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. James starts off with, a call and encouragement to pray. But this is more than just a cliche encouragement to pray. In Greek, James's encouragement to pray is uh, what we call an imperative. An imperative carries all of the weight and authority of a command given by a high-ranking official. And James loves to use the imperative. He uses the imperative over 50 times in the letter of James. It's only in my Bible, three pages. And he uses the imperative 50 times. But that shows the pastoral heart of James in this letter. 
And so we can understand James to be saying that if anyone lacks wisdom, he must ask God. But look at what James tells them to ask for. He tells them to ask for wisdom. Isn't it peculiar that James here doesn't explicitly tell them to pray to be delivered from the persecution that they were facing in the diaspora? Perhaps it is because James made it clear in the preceding verses that the testing of their faith by trials will produce completeness in them. It will, com- it will produce wholeness in them. So he tells them to pray for wisdom, how to count it all joy when they face trials, when they meet various trials. This wisdom is, uh, that James encourages them to ask for is, is not merely the ability to make good decisions. This is not the wisdom of man, but uh, scholars believe that this is a transcendent wisdom that, that God imparts to those of us who are close to God. This kind of wisdom is only possible by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This type of wisdom is often mentioned in Scripture right alongside the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, it tells us, And we impart this in words not taught by, by human wisdom, but by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual, spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So in light of this, some scholars believe that this wisdom that James is speaking of is actually the Holy Spirit itself. And this is not too much of a reach because God through Christ is the sender of the Holy Ghost. John 14, verse 26 tells us when it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so James is highlighting for us the fact that God is the source of true wisdom. Job 12:13 tells us with God are wisdom and might he has counsel and understanding Proverbs 2 verse 6 tells us for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding um in uh, verse number 5 still here this verse verse number 5 also highlights us uh to an often overlooked characteristic of God, which is the fact that God is characteristically, he's essentially, it is his nature that he is a generous God. He is characteristically giving. Uh, The the Greek text reads kind of awkwardly, but it reads something kind of like this. Uh, The giving God who owns wisdom gives to all generously without reproaching kind of weird phrase but you get the point so what does it mean though uh, for God to give generously without reproaching now these two phrases 
uh, generously and without reproach have similar meanings in the Greek text. And so James is saying that God gives without a second thought. James is saying that God gives and he doesn't give reluctantly. God gives and he gives without the need or expectation of anything in return. My brothers and sisters, although we get the privilege to worship and serve God, make no mistake, our worship adds nothing of value to the already perfect God. We get to worship him. God is the perfect giver of divine wisdom, and he wants to give graciously to his children without bringing charges against us or exploiting us. So, my brothers and sisters, we have this generous, gracious, giving God who gives without reproach. So my question for us today is, where do we go and where do we run to for wisdom? I mean, practically, is it the New York Times? Is it in NPR? Is it Fox News? Is it your favorite radio show? Perhaps it's your favorite social commentator or your favorite public intellectual. Maybe it's your favorite celebrity pastor. Maybe it's your spouse or your parents or your mentor. Now, my brothers and sisters, it is good to have people in your life who can help you navigate life's trials. We need people like that. So James isn't directing us away from wise counsel. But James, what James is saying is that if we need wisdom, it is imperative that we go to our father in prayer. In times of trial, my brothers and sisters, God is the world, the universe's greatest first responder. So that's James's command. What about James's instruction? So now that we have considered James's command, let's take a look at his instruction. I'm in verse number six. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. In verse six, James tells his readers to pray in faith without doubting. Again, we run into James's love of the imperative. So James can be understood to be saying that you must ask in faith without doubting. And James contrasts faith and wisdom with doubt. James says that it is by faith that we gain the wisdom that we need from the Lord. This doesn't sound much unlike the Apostle Paul's teaching on faith, but it sounds even more like our Lord Jesus in Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22, when Jesus says, Truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. The question for us today, again, is why don't we believe this functionally? We read this idea of asking in faith explicitly from the mouth of Jesus in three out of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. We see it principally and practically worked out also in the Gospel of Luke and in the other New Testament writings, 
James shows us exactly why we don't believe it. Doubt. The 21st century man is a victim of the sin of modernity. We are all in some way impacted by the skepticism of the Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment was a period when man started to collectively doubt the existence of the supernatural. It was hard to find atheists early on in history. But now, as a result of the Enlightenment, people doubt that God even exists. People doubt that God is all-knowing. People doubt that God is sovereign. And as Christians, we sometimes doubt that God is giving. We doubt that God is loving. We doubt that God is good. We sometimes doubt that God is listening or that he cares. We sometimes doubt that God is capable of, uh, of, of interfering and doing something about our broken situations. But my brothers and sisters, again, I want to encourage you to doubt your doubts. To believe your unbeliefs about God because our faith, my brothers and sisters, is in essence when we, by the spirit of wisdom, unbelieve the unbeliefs that we have toward God. It's noteworthy that James contrasts the spirit of wisdom with a metaphor of a wave being tossed and driven by the wind in verse number six. Now, the spirit of God is often understood as uh, the wind or the breath of God. A common illustration for being filled with the spirit, though, is uh, demonstrated in how a water glass is completely filled to the brim. Now, that's a that's a reasonable and a decent uh, depiction of the the filling of the Holy Spirit, because the spirit fills us completely. It fills us to capacity. But I believe more can be said because a glass is stationary, doesn't move. And there is no movement happening in that illustration. A different way to understand being filled by the spirit is to think of the spirit again as the wind or the breath of God that fills the sails of a boat and directs it in the way it should go rather than the boat being driven and carried by the current of the seas. So when James mentions turbulent, turbulent seas in verse 6, I believe he is thinking about the various trials from verse number 2. Let's look at verse number 2 real quick. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So I think that James is pointing us back to verse 2. When trials, when various trials come, doubt will cause the unstable man, the double-minded man, to be unstable in all his ways. And so what does James mean by double-minded and unstable? The double-minded man is someone who believes the truth and a lie at the same time. This person is a walking contradiction. The double-minded man in James is someone that is attempting to believe the truth about God and a lie about God at the same time. This is not a paradox, which we defined earlier. This is someone who is attempting to be spiritually or politically or socially even moderate. This is someone Excuse me, this is not someone who is attempting to be spiritually or politically or socially moderate. This is someone that is trying to outright believe an absolute contradiction 
about God. And my brothers and sisters, I believe that one of the greatest schemes of our adversary is to get Christians to be double-minded about God. The enemy's tactic is to make God's character seem like a contradiction. But rest assured, my brothers and sisters, there are no contradictions in our God. God cannot be loving and at the same time unloving. God cannot be merciful and at the same time unmerciful. God is patient and cannot be impatient. God is slow to anger, but he cannot be quick-tempered. God is a God of love for his children. And here's the contrast. God is only a God of wrath to the sons of disobedience. God is out of mercy for those who love him. But God is a God of justice and will punish sin and evil to those who do not love him and those who do not walk according to his way. So, my brothers and my sisters, when you are beginning to doubt that God is good, or when you are beginning to doubt that God is loving or that God is merciful or that God listens or that God cares, I want you to doubt your doubts about God. I want you to not believe your unbelief. Again, as I mentioned before, we see this played out in Mark chapter 9, verses 23 through 25. When a man brings his possessed son to the Lord Jesus, uh, this man is struggling with doubt, but his active faith overcomes his doubts, and he says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And we ultimately see something similar to this, although Jesus Uh, never doubted the plan of God, we see something similar to this in the Garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus is preparing to face the wrath of God on our behalf at Calvary, as the weight of sin and the reality of separation from God the Father is set upon Jesus, he says to the Father, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Again, although Jesus never doubted the plan of the Father, he experienced a struggle of the will. But despite the struggle with his flesh, Jesus willingly endured the cross on our behalf so that we could be made righteous, so that we could be called his children. So that's James' instruction. So now let's look at James's. Warning. Verses seven and eight for the person for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, when I was younger, uh, we used to go to the store with my mom. And before we could get out of the car. She would give us a couple of warnings. The first one was, act like you got some sense when we go in this store. The second warning was always, without exception, every single time, don't ask for nothing in this store because I ain't got no money. 
I didn't understand that then. I understand it now. But her warning was loud and clear that when we went into the store as her children, we shouldn't expect to get anything. In verse 7, James says that the doubter, the double-minded, and the unstable man must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, again, this is James being James, using the imperative again. James is saying something very practical here, though. Although God is gracious, a double-minded man should never expect to receive anything from the Lord due to his double-mindedness. Due to his double-mindedness. It's not due to the lack of graciousness from God. It's due to their double-mindedness. Ultimately, this person that can be identified as double-minded may not be a believer at all. This may not even be a Christian at all. Because for this person, for, for James, this person is a true hypocrite. Not the hypocrisy that believers deal with on a daily basis. I'm guilty of that. This person, their identity is hypocrisy. So, my brothers and sisters, my encouragement for all of us today is that if you find yourself struggling with your faith, if you find yourself struggling with doubt, if you are a Christian who is struggling, if you are on the fringes of Christianity, if you just downright don't know what to believe, if you're skeptical of all of this, I encourage you to give faith a try. Look to the scriptures. Pray to God for wisdom and faith. Come to God in repentance and in faith. Because our God is a generous and gracious God who longs to lavish his love upon his children. My encouragement for those of us who trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus at Calvary is when we struggle when when we struggle with doubts don't believe the lies of the enemy because you are God's child and he loves you you are God's child and he's not mad at you you are God's child and he cares about you you are God's child and you are the apple of his eye let's pray Father in heaven, help us to doubt our doubts. Your word is true. Let your word be true and every man be a liar. That's what the scriptures tell us. Excuse me. And so, Father, we know that this is only possible by the working of the spirit, that spirit of wisdom that you promised you would give your children, we ask that you would let that spirit abide in us and that that spirit would call and draw men to faith and repentance in light of the truth of your gospel. Lord Jesus, we thank you that it is true. It is true that in the fullness of time, 
you took on flesh, lived a perfectly sinless life on our behalf. You died the death that we should have died. You paid the penalty for sin that we should have paid. You did this all to glorify the Father and to redeem us back to God the Father. To redeem us as your children. And at the third day, you rose as Lord, as Savior, as Redeemer, as King. Help us to trust that that is true. And in moments of doubt, help us to always return to the truth of that gospel. Because, Jesus, if you can raise from the dead, then there's nothing too hard for you. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that we do pray. Amen. If you would please stand with us for the closing song. May the peace of the Lord the peace of the Lord go with you. May your spirit rest within you to comfort and befriend you. He's right beside you to constantly remind you you're a child of the King. May the peace of the Lord, may the make a few acknowledges, acknowledgements quickly. It, um, the Teague Village Group. Let me slow down. Teague Village Group. Will you please stand? And there's some other folk that may not be in here. Um, thank you guys. Like, Thank you, thank you. And these folks came in. Y'all can sit. Um, yesterday morning, we've been working on the picnic probably since I don't know, first part of April, March. But they came in here yesterday morning and just went and got the thing done and the setup and everything. And um, I looked around at one point was like, wait, there's nothing to be done. It was great. <laughs> so thank, thank you guys for that. If you participated in the community walk, will you please stand? Still a few people not. Right. Samantha's in the nursery and... Um, 
TJ is not in here. Thank you. Thank you for participating in that. Y'all can have a seat. They, they really they really led the charge um, on that on last Sunday. They really, really got out there with no fear. And part of that, didn't know you were going to be here. Part of that is because of you. Part of that is because of you. So thank you. Um, to, for context, when we would have, uh, what have we done? Uh, um, what was it? Not summertime at the village, uh, Bible clubs, all sorts of things. And was like, hey, we're doing a community walk. And we've walked all over this community. And that was so helpful, Amos. Your diligence, and Lyle talked about just commitment, and being your dedication for that while you were here was instrumental. We had all kinds of guests here yesterday. And that was because of you. My husband. Just, <laughs> thank y'all. And for everybody who came, folks who just jumped in yesterday and said, hey, what, are, you know, what needs to be done? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.